people who were around in 1977 will always remember what they were doing when they first heard the terrible news. Elvis Presley died today. He was 42. Apparently it was a heart attack. How could the king of rock and roll be dead at age 42? Oh, you gotta be kidding. In the months that followed, sordid details about his last days painted him as a drug-addled recluse, an image his team worked hard to rectify. Oh, shut up. Sadly, this would not be the last tragedy for the Presley family. That's this week on Death in Entertainment. Elvis has left the building. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Hello, 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 everybody. Oh, my God, we're here and we're back. Episode 66. What is going on, everybody? My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And we are covering the sordid story of Mr. Elvis Aaron Presley. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming this is a very sordid story. <laughs> is he a monster? <laughs> yeah. Is he not? Yeah. Is he a victim? <laughs> Of fame, yeah, and fortune, and drugs, and <laughs> prescription drugs, and circumstance, yeah, in circumcision. Hey, hey oh, was he circumcised? We'll see if Alejandro <laughs> has that. That's a very important detail. Yeah, and we're also going to dive into the stories of his daughter and his grandson. Yeah, Ooh. very uh, current events with the daughter. Extremely current. Yeah, yeah. No, there's breaking news from yesterday and today. Even. I know. I'm sure there's. Did they do like uh, a an autopsy? Do they know? I don't want to get ahead of any of your research, so we'll just leave it at that for now. And with that, Ooh, this episode is going to take us to August 16th, 1977. Let's go. Music is a very apropos subject. Yes. Since we're dealing with Elvis here in his passing, uh, let's get the top three music songs at this time yes we'll start with number three number three is rita coolidge your love has lifted me higher and higher is that higher and higher that's what i assume i don't yeah. know a remake oh, oh higher and higher was it jackie wilson was that Cause that I, sounds because i remember right. they used it in ghostbusters too mm-hmm. when they got the statue moving and running around new york <laughs> remember I, they, I thought they played jackie wilson uh higher and higher Anywho, let's move on. Number two, Andy Gibb, I Just Want to Be Your Everything. Mm. The Gibbs were really crushing in the late 70s. Future episode. Future episode, yeah. Andy Gibb had an untimely end. Not a great ending for that The Presleys. Yeah. Very much like that. Uh, He dated supermodel Victoria Principal. Did he? Yeah. Wow. And then he died. Well, this is the principal song around this time. Number one, <laughs> the emotions by best. Of, no, the emotions sing "Best of My Love." Ooh, I don't even know that song. The best of my love. Oh, whoa, whoa! whoa. You got, got the, the best, best of my love. So we're like right in the heart of disco here. That's from Boogie Nights, actually. Oh, yeah, <laughs> from the hot soundtrack of Boogie Nights. Right on. Yeah, 
And for films at this time, August 16th, 1977, at the movies, we had the biggest ones, uh, Star Wars. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Is uh, this the one with um, with Jar Jar Banks? <laughs> <laughs> you got to wait uh, almost 16 years for that one. <laughs> yeah, and then kill yourself. By the grace of God, there was no CGI at that time. <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He was unable to ruin Star Wars. <laughs> a lot of people say that uh, it was George Lucas's wife that put a lot of that together, or someone else. that. It was... Oh, yeah, she was the secret force behind it. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. A lot of those 70s directors had a woman like that behind so the scenes. Scorsese, too, his editor, was like put together all his best movies. Thelma. Is that what her name? Schoonmaker. She recently got she got an Oscar for something of, uh, recently. I think for the Irishman, she got like best editing. Or what something? <laughs> something. Yeah, they could have cut that. that down. Yeah, that would have been that, the best. Are worst you trying one. to tell me that movie had an editor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing worse than that editing is that Oscar nod. It was uh, all just rough footage. <laughs> it was just rough footage. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter Bogdanovich, his wife was instrumental in his early hits like Last Picture Show. Yeah. And the moment. They stopped being together. He stopped having hits. Really? Yep. Started carrying his water bottle around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Dorothy Stratton. Yeah, the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. That should be, uh, that's going on the shit list, the water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another huge movie at this time. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. What the fuck is this? I didn't even know this was a thing. Is vroom, this, vroom. Is this the same Herbie that the Lindsay Lohan movie? Yes. Same Herbie? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, because it was like the Volkswagen, right? The bug, yeah, the, the bug, bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the, go by brand. The Ted Bundy car. Ted Bundy car. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I wonder if that had anything to do with Herbie going away because it was what the seventies and eighties at the time when Ted Bundy was uh, doing his thing. Yeah, and mm. then Lindsay Lohan said it was okay to use again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All those things really happened. Mm. <laughs> another movie huge at this time: The Bad News Bears in Breaking Training. That's such a weird. Sequel title. That's another sequel title I don't think I've ever heard. That's weird. Yeah, very weird. And this was before they went to Japan. Ah, okay. So they really just hit the cash register of these uh, Bad News Bears movies. Yeah. Yeah, and writing Jackie Earl Haley a lot of checks. Yeah. Before he was 18. Yeah. Before he was a pedophile in Little Children. (laughs) (laughs) Plain. Acting. That yes. is the name of a title of a movie, okay? Yeah. Yeah, you got to really give some <laughs> oh my God, uh, yeah. a pedophile some in little context children. here for- That did sound pretty bad. Jackie Hill. That happened to me at the bar the other day. There's a, a local IPA out here called Cool Kids, and uh, he's the bartender was like, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I'll grab a couple of Cool Kids. And then I was like, I did not like the way that sounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, what's his name? Chris Harrison comes in. Like, Why don't you take a seat? Yeah, I'll take a seat. Chris Hansen. <laughs> Chris Hansen. Yeah, whatever. Which will be making an appearance in one of our episodes sometime soon. I can't wait. Yes. yes. Ooh, teaser alert. Juicy teaser right there. Yeah. But sooner than that. Yes. Yes. We're going to Graceland. Graceland. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Paul Simon. And the ghetto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> January 8th, 1935. Elvis Aaron Presley, born to Vernon and Gladys. He had an identical twin brother that was stillborn, unfortunately. So there could have been another Elvis, which is mind-blowing to me. Mm. Yeah, and he would have went by Elvis also. 
Elvis too. Elvis too. <laughs> <laughs> like Gallagher too. Yeah. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. They lived in a modest two-room house in Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm. In 1946, Elvis bought his first guitar from a hardware store. And you know how much he paid for that? 50 cents. Well, <laughs> a little more than that. You got to shoot over. You I say really love lowballing you on this guitar. Eight not, bucks. Eight, eight bucks. bucks. Okay. But it's Elvis. Not as good as 50 cents. Yeah. No. I don't <laughs> know. I, I, read why I assume everything cents. was 50 cents before 1940. In my day, yeah, we and, bought guitars for 50 cents. In it, Tupelo, yeah. In Tupelo, yeah. It was a penny. <laughs> yeah, that's before uh, inflation. Thanks, Biden. And before penny stocks. Yeah. It is funny that he got a guitar from a hardware store. It's like, oh, I'll go get a saw but in those and a guitar. Days, you, bought, you bought everything. It's like going to Target now. You know, you get like a yeah. pack of Oreos and uh, some khakis in the same trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you eat the Oreos in the car. Yeah. Am you, I right? Yeah. Yep. And you put on the khakis in the car. <laughs> <laughs> take them off in the car. Oh, why don't you take a seat? <laughs> the family relocated to Memphis when Elvis was seven years old. And he performed in the school talent show. Like Brittany Murphy. Oh. Yeah. Is his, his mom pushing him into these things? Or is he like, you know, hey, mom, I want to do this on my own. I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't need your pushing, okay? He's already, he's already got that voice. No, he's, well, he does have the voice. <laughs> yeah. But he's Elvis already. He's performing in the womb. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the, like, you it's know. It's a calling. Entertaining the whole family and everything. Yeah. And clear yeah. he's got this. Thing, yeah, this yeah. talent. He can't stop those legs moving. No, he yeah. can't. <laughs> came out with blue suede shoes. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. His brother came out with a blue head. Oh, <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! That was such a wholesome like joke <laughs> that just quickly moved into the darkest thing I've ever heard in my life. We were kind of having a nice moment here. I'm disturbed. It's like an wow. Ari Aster movie at the end of that joke. Yeah, I'm spinning <laughs> the tale of Elvis's yeah. upbringing, and then suddenly you imagine a blue head. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's like, oh, I'm going to reference it on one of his bigger hits. And then, oh, I'm going to say a very bad thing about his dead twin brother. Dead baby imagery Jeez going Louise. on here. That oh might be our first God. dead baby joke on here. Trigger warning. <laughs> Is it our first? That's actually surprising. <laughs> that's the more shocking thing. Yeah. That, not that you said that. That's the first time it's been that bad. You can't swing a guitar without hitting a dead baby. That's right. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Things are rough down there in Tupelo. Elvis had no formal training, couldn't read music. It was all by this. His ear or his headphones? Your, your <laughs> headphones? His ear. Yeah, your headphones. In 1953, he started driving a truck. and For like a living or just he just started driving a truck? No, it was his hobby. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I drive trucks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. For no reason. And he went to the Memphis recording service to make a song for his mom's birthday. And a local DJ was listening and was like, this kid's got it. Wait, is this Tom Hanks? No, not yet. <laughs> then he tipped off producer Sam Phillips, who was the head of Sun Records. Huge in the industry, especially down there. Yeah. In country, yeah. He's like the godfather of country music. They say that... This is the birth of rock and roll because Sun Records had the song Rocket 88, and that's considered the first rock and roll song. 
and it was recorded there. That was released in like for mass appeal. Like Little Richard would uh, would argue with you that he was the first rock star. Yeah, I think there'd yeah. be a lot of black musicians that would yes. disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me rephrase this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first rock and roll release. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, wide release. <laughs> I thought it was the Soggy Bottom Boys. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on. You're right, though. Of course, music was going but on it was, everywhere. It's what they would call a crossover. Right. Yeah. It's when it became available to the mainstream. Gotcha. In 1954, Elvis recorded a single called That's All Right, Mama at Sun Studio, and it began to play on the local radio program Red Hot and Blue. Listeners were enthralled. Elvis was interviewed and callers were calling in assuming he was black. They couldn't believe this kid was white based on the sound of his voice. This Mm. is like one of the scenes where like everyone in the town starts dancing, you know? (laughs) People on top of pickup trucks dancing like, who is this? (laughs) He soon became a regional sensation in the South. He performed on the Louisiana Hayride a show based out of Shreveport and broadcast to about 200 stations across the country. It's like the the TRL down there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After overcoming nerves, Elvis came to life on stage and the wiggle was born. Yeah. They really depicted that in that Baz Luhrmann movie. Like, yeah. to the point that it's, like, absurd. It's, like, giving me a panic attack. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> women. It's just, like, so many. And, ah! Yeah, the women he looked, in the like audience. He got the Im- COVID booster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they immediately start convulsing. Yeah. yeah. When they see his wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the it's fuck? too much to take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of women with, like, fans, you know, on their face. and then they Fainting. Just, they fall backwards. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I have never. <laughs> to declare. <laughs> yeah. But I want more. <laughs> I can't describe this feeling. I'm so wet. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> I'm red, hot, and blue down yeah. there. <laughs> January 1955. Enter Colonel Tom Parker. Played yes. by Tom Hanks in God. the recent Elvis biopic. He's, he's what? For some reason, <laughs> that line I say to myself two times a day now after seeing that movie. And he's licking his lips while he's saying it. Like, that boy's what? Yeah, I'm like, God. It's so it's weird. disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a horror movie the way Tom Hanks is playing it. Black music without black people? That's kind of what he seems to be saying. Yeah, he sees dollar signs. Yeah. The colonel became Elvis's manager after previous manager Bob Neal couldn't... He was too local. He was too small small potatoes. Exactly. He struggled to keep up with the demands of the rising superstar. Yeah. The colonel was an enigmatic figure who was born in the Netherlands, but never disclosed that to anyone. Yeah. And apparently he had immigrated to the States illegally. Yeah. Because he was in a jam or something back in the Netherlands or something. He like I think he was a deserter of his own like army or something. Yeah. But it's so ballsy to come over and call yourself the colonel. Yeah. The fucking <laughs> and it worked scumbag. out. Scumbag. Yeah, it did work out because this is like the days Don Draper was lying to everyone. No one like there's no Equifax to like double check your background records right. or anything. Yeah, a lot of confidence goes a long way. Yeah. And just lying to people in the especially in the South, it's like really, you know, you can't check references for a guy like Colonel Parker. And good at what he did. It's hard to imagine, but there really wasn't rock and roll music yet. 
But he was able to scale what Elvis was doing and get him to bigger and bigger venues. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. His previous clients included Hank Snow and Eddie Arnold. And I know everyone in the audience is thinking, who the hell are they? <laughs> For the kids listening to <laughs> Doesn't matter in this story. Yeah. Parker helped negotiate a deal to sell Elvis's son studio contract to RCA. They must have had to pay a good amount of money to Sam Phillips in order to get him off of that contract. Yeah, they did. But that money actually helped Sun Studio and other artists who would later come up there include Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis. And was it Johnny Cash or was he not involved in that kind of thing? Oh, Johnny Cash too. I think Johnny Cash too, yeah. So that's a pretty good roster. Yeah. Of pedos. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't have Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, marrying his uh, 13-year-old cousin. And yeah. also, questionably, with the wives and stuff who passed away, uh, future episode, don't want to get ahead of it. Yeah. Lose yeah. one, DNA gain DNA test. A- yeah. <laughs> Lose one, gain another. Sure. Yeah. Elvis for Jerry. You well, know. down south there, they do DNA, t- DNA tests to make sure that they're cousins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God we're related. <laughs> Woo, thank God. I was scared there for a moment. I was shaking like I got that COVID uh, boosting out. <laughs> Mackenzie Phillips is like, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> she's southern now, too. Why is she there? <laughs> you know why she's there. Oh, yeah. I think we all know. Uh, 1956, big year for Alvis. First RCA single, Heartbreak Hotel, sold a million copies. That's a million people rocking out to it. I went through a huge phase of his like a year ago, and I watched that video, the Heartbreak Hotel, and like all that you know stuff he was doing. It's great. He's great. Yeah, such a dynamic performer and. I don't care what anybody says. Those are some of the greatest songs ever recorded. Yeah. They are earworms, but good ones. Like you want them in your head. They're just very catchy and you just can't get them out of your head. And if one becomes annoying and you can't get rid of it, just put on another one and then that will take its place (laughs) and so on and so on. Um, His first album was called Elvis Presley. Pretty creative. Mm -hmm. Hit number one on the pop uh, chart, Billboard pop chart. Features a cover of Blue Suede Shoes, originally recorded by Carl Perkins. Ah, okay. And you know, that's a black artist. I did not, I actually did not know that. I didn't know. Oh, really? I thought he, I knew his son's studios, but I I thought he was white. I thought he was white. (laughs) (laughs) To Elvis's credit, though, I have to say that this was common practice back in the day. Yeah. Artists would record a million versions of all these songs. In every genre, too. Like everyone would just re record. Like Frank Sinatra played everyone's songs and, you know, Bing Crosby and all these people. So I really don't believe that he was stealing the music. No, no. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Elvis also covered Hound Dog, originally performed by Big Mama Thornton in 1953, and All Shook Up, originally performed by David Hess in 1956. Kind of crazy that to think that Hound Dog was someone else's song first. Famously mm. someone else's song. Yeah, because yeah. everyone associates these songs with him moving yeah. forward after he oh records it. Yeah. Later in his career, other covers include Suspicious Minds and Burning Love. Great songs. Back to the 50s, though, 1956. Elvis had three appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show that broke ratings records. Yeah. 
And he made a controversial appearance on the Milton Berle show, Uncle Milty. MB, baby. <laughs> where he set his guitar aside and swung his hips, gyrating to the music. Ooh. Driving the audience as, as wild as that. Maybe Ed Sullivan, too. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Milty. Or yeah, whatever. Milton Berle. Uncle Milty, yeah. Uh, so this was very scandalous. Religious viewers were outraged. And this led to an infamous appearance on the Steve Allen show later that summer, where he cheesily sang Hound Dog to an actual Basset Hound. Yeah, because they didn't want to see his hips. I remember that. He, yeah. he felt, well, in the movie, I'm going by the movie. This probably is maybe inaccurate, but he felt embarrassed by doing that. He was in real life. Yeah. Because it just wasn't him. It was a corny segment. It was a way to not have to show his like hips gyrating, him yeah. like thrusting like <laughs> fucking air. <laughs> yeah, and it seems odd in retrospect to try to tone down someone like Elvis Presley. Because that's his whole thing. That's yeah. how he got popular was that, that onstage performance. It's like, let the man do his thing. Yeah. His first movie was released that year in November called Love Me Tender. And I bet you can guess what song was in it. Love Me Tender? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you get the prize. Blue Other... Baby Head. <laughs> that was the B-side. Yeah. Blue Baby Head. Dead it Baby was a blue Brother. Baby Head. I'll have a blue baby head this Christmas. Oh. <laughs> you ain't nothing but a blue baby head. <laughs> Other big hits during this time Don't Be Cruel, Teddy Bear, and Jailhouse Rock. Oh. That's got to be as big as Earworm, I think. Jailhouse Rock? Yeah. yeah. Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. I like the singing that everyone just like throws at each other. It's like they're not really depicting prison correctly. <laughs> not at all. Not even close. Not even close, especially down south. Ain't exactly the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. You know? In 1957, Elvis bought a 14-acre, 10,000-square-foot mansion in Memphis for $100,000. Damn! Located at 3764 Highway 51 South. Damn! Later changed to Elvis <laughs> Presley Boulevard. I heard uh, Graceland is in a bad neighborhood down there. Well, it's it's very weird. It's you on, went like, down there. Yeah, I was. I stood outside the gate. You could see the house, but it is. It's just on like there's like strip malls and shit across the street. Oh, really? It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's this. Sprawling, it's in like a commercial area. Very green, like trees, and it's beautiful. And then across the street is like. Yeah, Dunkin' like Donuts. El Pollo Loco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they do that sometimes, though, where they'll have a famous landmark in a shitty area. Yeah, but all the strip mall stuff, they were like converted into, uh, it's like the Elvis Presley like t shirt oh, shops. It's and like stuff. memorabilia shops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can buy it with Elvis Bucks or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Dollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Dollywood. It sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we should do it. I heard it's sometime. better because don't they actually have like uh, like roller coasters? And oh stuff yeah, there? yeah. It's the yeah. real deal. Yeah, that all they have at uh, Graceland is just memories of um, him being a pedophile. Okay. Can, <laughs> can you? Uh, are you able to? Is there like a ride where you can shoot the TV off with the gun? Probably. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to do a bunch of barbiturates and just take a dump. 
<laughs> I wanted to do that while watching that biopic. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I know. That's the best way to watch that movie on the toilet. The nickname Graceland came from the original builders, Thomas Moore and his wife, Ruth, named after her Aunt Grace, who originally owned the land. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's how they do it down there. 1958. At the height of his growing international stardom and controversy over his immoralistic stage persona, Elvis was drafted into the army. And the colonel urged him (laughs) to go because it would repair his image. It was like a negotiation. They knew he wasn't going to see any action there. And they're like, they want to, yeah, protect his image. And they they didn't want to be a draft dodging situation because Korea was bad. Like Korea was like the Vietnam of the 50s Mm kind of no one really wanted to get involved in that too hard. And that's what MASH was about. The Korean War. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't Vietnam. Not Vietnam. So it seemed like a hoot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of one liners during that. Alan Alda's there. Come on, I'm going. Yeah. Hot lips. (laughs) Yeah. Robert Altman directed the war. Yeah. Yeah. People don't don't know that. Sadly, Elvis's mom, Gladys, died months later on August 14th, 1958. Whoa. And remember that date, August 14th. August 14th, the day before my birthday, and then August 16th, he dies the day after my birthday. Look yeah, at this. That's what I was thinking. It's all about, about me. Yeah. Kyle <laughs> connected all the around, dots. It all revolves around Kyle here, I guess. Gladys had become an alcoholic and depressed. She wasn't coping too well with the new lifestyle, all the money coming in. Yeah. And also Elvis being shipped out like that. It was traumatic for her. Mm. Well, she also, I I heard this uh, recently, she had a dodgy heart. And I think a lot of people in that family do have bad hearts because there's a legend that they are inbred. The Elvis, uh, the Presley family are inbred from cousins and stuff, which is, like I said, if you're not a cousin, you know, make sure. Yeah, you ain't nothing but a not purebred hound dog, okay? <laughs> inbred hound dog. <laughs> you ain't nothing but an inbred. <laughs> and have you seen the YouTube video about the Appalachian family called the Whitakers? No. The inbred family, where they bark instead of talk? Oh, God. Oh, come on. Yes. No, they're like, hey, how you doing today? And then the guy's like, woof. It's just oh, like a boy. Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking how some inbred families could turn out like that. Yeah. And then you get fucking Elvis Presley. Yeah, yeah. both sides <laughs> of the spectrum. And then you get like the most talented, you know, rock star in the world ever. Yeah. Who kind of created, you know, rock stars. Allegedly. What? We don't know if they're inbred for sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's what people say. And that's they that's the reason why they say there's you know there's some yeah. bad genes there. I didn't say it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Elvis was devastated by his mom's passing. After training in Texas, he was posted in Germany. In September 1959, he seemed to get over it. Sure. No, I don't know. But why do you, how did he get over it? Yeah, how how this happened? What are you talking about? He met 14-year-old Priscilla Ann Bouyer. When she came to one of his parties in Bad Neuheim. Wait, what are you trying to say? Is this a city? 
It's, in, it is in Germany. It's a city in <laughs> wait, Germany. Wait, wait a second. He just had a fourteen-year-old delivered to him in Germany on a on a Air Force base. Yeah. Something? Yes. What? How would you pronounce that word, Kyle? Nauheim. Oh yeah. There you go. Priscilla was originally born in Brooklyn, New York. Her dad died early on. Makes sense. He yeah. was in the army. Why? Why you would go after an older man? His little daddy issues. His <laughs> all right. <laughs> he was a pilot, and his plane went down on the way home. Oof. Really? And her stepdad was a navy officer, so her family moved from base to base. Oh, okay. So she wasn't. She wasn't like I thought. She was like a fan that was delivered to him on like a seven forty seven or something. So she no, was she's a, just a girl with a dead dad that yeah, got she, delivered to him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very different. Yeah. But she was on the military base. That's why they. Yes, that's they were transferred that. to Bad Nauheim. <laughs> <laughs> that's there- gonna haunt you until you die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking up the age of consent in Germany. Ah, it's what fourteen. That, it's whatever you want it to be. It's fourteen. Yeah. Also, Elvis so, was in the right. So I guess Wait, it's not illegal. Is it really fourteen? It's fourteen. Wow. Wow. That is young. <laughs> party if you want to party, Mr. Presley. Elvis is like that is good. <laughs> Green oh light says God. go, Mr. Presley. Jesus. Elvis was 24 at the time. And he was instantly smitten with the ninth grader. Oh, the ninth grader. Hit us right. with that sentence one more time. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> this thing on? Priscilla returned home late, upsetting her parents. But Elvis apologized to them and convinced them to let him keep seeing her. Sorry, I was legally fucking your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> on paper, it's, uh, it's okay for me to do this. Okay. <laughs> you see that age of consent? Hello. <laughs> they spent Jerry the loose is like, wait a second. <laughs> You're not related. <laughs> I'm going to one-up you. <laughs> I'm going to be related to the little girl. Yeah. I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to get younger. <laughs> <laughs> it's cooler. Um, <laughs> they spent a lot of time together until his departure in 1960. They kept in touch by phone. Priscilla... Kept in touch by genitals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, they didn't actually. There's. I, I'm going to get to that. Priscilla visited him for two weeks in the summer of 1962. And during this trip, although Elvis said they were just going to stay in Los Angeles, where he was living. Yeah. He took her to Las Vegas. And during this stay, just to keep up with them, Priscilla would take amphetamines and sleeping pills. Because what? Elvis was nocturnal, yeah, and he had a fast lifestyle, and he just would never stop. He was no. like from night and day, just kept going. Yeah, wait. So we're putting it on Priscilla that she I has know, to keep right? up with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like she's being fed these pills as an <laughs> underage girl or something, exactly. <laughs> wandering Las Vegas. But you know, she you know had to step up her game. Yeah. So she took some speed. <laughs> that's how she put it. Uh, well, oh, yeah, okay. that's how she had to put she, it. That's know, not my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Keeping up with them. <laughs> Jesus. They shouldn't have been in the same zip code. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep up with them. My God. In 1963, Priscilla's parents allowed her to move to Memphis because Elvis was in Memphis as well, obviously, because he bought Graceland. Sure. Yeah. He was in L.A. because he was also a movie star. Yeah, he was all over the place. 
Elvis made an agreement that Priscilla would live in a separate house nearby under the supervision of Elvis's dad, Vernon, and his stepmother, Dee. I don't believe any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Until Priscilla graduated high school that coming June. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got control of our adult millionaire son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who pays our bills. Yeah, who lives in a gated mansion yeah. like 200 yards from the gate. <laughs> yeah, who, who takes 3,000 milligrams of speed per day. <laughs> <laughs> there are some stories that say that she was staying with them at the time anyway. Yes. Yeah, of course. As their relationship progressed, Elvis would make her stay at Graceland while he went off to Hollywood to film movies. Priscilla remained a virgin while he went and had multiple affairs with the likes of Anne Margaret, his co-star in Viva Las Vegas. I was going to say Rock Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> the Flintstones Flintstone. sequel <laughs> yeah. with Stephen Baldwin. And Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah. so she was in the first one. Oh, okay, never mind. Playing the secretary Sharon Stone. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so Viva Las Vegas. That is confirmed by Anne Margaret. They had an affair. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think, I believe he had the affair, but I think whether or not she remained a virgin is to be seen. They were, uh, I don't know if you're going to get into it, but the Polaroids that were found what, of what? Priscilla naked and underage. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, and he was Woody like, Allen's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, a few pictures here, okay? And he's like, I promise, I never touched her. It was just pictures, okay? I didn't touch her until she was legal. And it's like, Okay, right, but dude. that actually maybe supports their weird arrangement. I think that was part of the foreplay. Yeah, Be not actually touching each other, and he they would take those erotic photos. Yeah. I believe Priscilla in this. She has no reason to lie about this time. She's covering for her bank account. What? Yeah. No, but it's it's. I think it sounds weirder that they didn't get together because by this point she's already eighteen. No, but I think what Kyle's trying to say it would hurt the brand. It would hurt everything Elvis yes. if it came out that he was a legitimate pedophile. No, but she's eighteen by now. Remember, there was a couple year break. No, but I, I, I don't know. People, I'm would, not justifying the fourteen. People would do part. the math and be like, "Yeah, it's no." But she yeah. was eighteen when she moved to Graceland. Yeah, but I think in high school, you know how you're at eighteen, your final year yeah. of high school. The implication it is that sound better before but... <laughs> she was eighteen. Anything was going on, and who the hell? Don't knows? forget, you said he was smitten with a ninth grader. So <laughs> <laughs> you did particularly put in that ninth grader. On purpose, I feel like. That was a good line. <laughs> yeah. Elvis denied the affairs to Priscilla, gaslighting her. In her 1985 memoir, Elvis and Me, she wrote that he didn't seem to be that sexually into her. They would engage in petting and have makeout sessions, but he would stop before it got to the point of having sex. I'm going to pet you like a hound. <laughs> <laughs> they did not consummate their relationship until they got married in Las Vegas on May 1st, 1967. Summer of love, baby. Yep. Yeah, that, that's the correct summer of love. Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> Lisa Marie was born nine months to the day on February 1st, 1968. This is the biggest PR spin I've ever heard. I know. We had sex one time and she got pregnant. Alejandro's <laughs> just reading Colonel Tom Parker's talking points. He's like, getting paid by the, the PR press. team. Yeah. Here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like as it's accurate information. Yeah. 
Lisa Marie's like the immaculate conception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the couple played miniature golf instead of pl- having sex, uh, you know, three times. <laughs> well, hear me out. I just think that it sounds weirder if they didn't have sex before then. It makes him sound like an, a controlling asshole for which he was to her. Yeah. I think it would sound better if he took her to Hollywood once in a while if they had sex. Yeah. This makes him sound like a fucking creep. Like he just was just like growing this future wife of his. To... No, but he was a creep with when it came to her. Yes, yeah. they conceived Lisa Marie, but he very much viewed Priscilla like a younger sister. Really? Yeah, he just she that said, he took naked pictures of. Hoo, yeah, hey, that's hoo, why it's so hoo, weird. Polaroid. She <laughs> said he wasn't that into her like that because he viewed her as this virgin. And furthermore, when she had the baby, all the more reason not to corrupt her with his sexual. Maybe that's a southern antics. thing. Have like a young wife, girlfriend, or whatever. Yeah, and then you play around on the side. Well, it's just like an older guy I, thing. It's like it's an easier way to be able to control somebody mentally and physically. It's like yeah. they look up to you and. You have all the power in the relationship, so yeah. you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. You stay here, baby. I'm going to go make some movies. He's a mixed up guy. I think we could say that. And that, that probably that's what was going on. Yeah. He's a superstar. Yeah. Is Elvis? <laughs> yeah, he's here. Where's that coming from? Is that still going on? Hello? That was weird. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm in the phone, man. Keeping that in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely Albus' ghost. I'm in your <laughs> iPhone 14, man. Okay. By 1968, Elvis's daily routine included taking placidadil pills. I'm sure he had them in one big bowl, uppers, downers, you know, and that was it. Yeah, so he took the placidadil pills to get to sleep and then dexedrine to wake up. And his day would start at 4 p.m. And we have a little clip from Larry King now, Priscilla talking about Elvis. His, his pillies. Do you remember the first boy you ever kissed? How could I forget? The whole world knows. Elvis Presley. I was only 14, Larry. I was. But, but now they kiss at nine. Well, that was then. That Whoa. Now, but back then, I didn't. Is he kissing on now? Is they he, kiss at nine. We, yeah. We've regressed like since that. then. Yeah. What the you fuck is wrong? How the fuck does he know that? <laughs> it was, um, He's like, because I've been out there yeah. in the trenches. <laughs> now they touch kids. umbilical cords. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I put on my, my kid suspenders and I go out there. <laughs> I see what's going on with the kids. <laughs> and I say, I wa- how old are you kids kissing over there? <laughs> you better be nine. <laughs> you better be nine. You better be related. <laughs> so when Elvis had returned from Germany, he had a more clean cut image. And his first movie was G.I. Blues. And his first new single was Stuck on You, which hit number one in March 1960. Directed by the Farrelly Brothers, starring <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic, right? Yeah. Not quite as memorable as Something About Mary. But yeah. This was followed by Are You Lonesome Tonight? And it's now or never, which was retooled from the Italian song O Solo Mio. O Solo Mio. And There's No Tomorrow by Tony Martin. Okay. And do you remember what that song is from? No. He performed it at the roast of Lucy and Desi Arnaz, ah. where Parker Carcass died. Wait, Elvis was there too? Tony, Tony Martin. Martin. Oh, There's Tony no Martin. tomorrow. Oh, okay. There's no tomorrow. You're just making a link to the die universe. But here. apparently yes. that's the song that Elvis fashioned um, It's Now or Never from. Okay. There's no tomorrow. 
Anyway. Or he, <laughs> or he stole it. Yeah. <laughs> I can steal from Italians, too. Yeah, I'm going to fashion this from you. I'm going to steal your song and your daughter. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to kiss her at nine years old. Because <laughs> <laughs> Larry King says it's okay. <laughs> Over the next half a decade, Elvis would star in profitable yet mediocre low-budget studio movies and often have hit records that would coincide with their release, such as Can't Help Fallin' in Love from the movie Blue Hawaii and Return to Sender from Girls, Girls, Girls. He was like the Will Smith of his days. You know, he'd do the song with <laughs> yeah, the He was movie. punching comedians on yeah, stages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he was like Wild Wild West. He's got the album that goes along with the movie and yeah. stuff. Yeah. He was a force. He would have slapped Chris Rock if he was there. Yeah. <laughs> Here come the men that are black. <laughs> okay. They're mad I'm stealing their songs. <laughs> Colonel Parker cuts in. They're white. They're white. Why? 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 He's white. By the end of the 1960s, the hits stopped coming. Ooh. And people but stopped. But he did not. <laughs> going, no, he started coming. <laughs> In Priscilla, that is. Oh, oh boy. At the cool. marriage. Okay. All right. Uh, Were he at the ceremony? Yeah. That's what they <laughs> that was make the it ceremony. sound like. Okay. <laughs> and people stopped going to his movies. His crappy Ooh. movies. Oh, his movies were garbage. Yeah, they, they were really never were. good. Yeah. Really were. They were crap. <laughs> and basically, the Beatles left Elvis in their wake. Yeah. The pop landscape had changed. Elvis did a comeback special for NBC, filmed in Burbank Ooh. in June 1968. It was his first live performance in seven years. Wow. It was originally planned as a Christmas special, and he ended the special with the song If I Can Dream, which was based on Martin Luther King, who had been assassinated earlier that year. Oh, wow. So Elvis was getting political. Yeah, mm. he was like the Bono of his day. And he's like, I'm not going to just be some cheesy pop star. Yeah. You know, like he was in those movies. Yeah. And he had started to lose sight of the songs he wanted to record. He wanted to get back to the roots, the songs that really made him happy. And so he was fine. He found himself again. That was the one where he wore all leather, right? And he. Yeah. And uh, he has the, in the background the Elvis yeah. neon sign. Yeah. Oh, wow. I get so lonely. I could die. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I don't know, actually. No, he sang that song, and he did like a, an, a it was like an early unplugged version of He's, some of his songs. He said that in the bathroom on his last day, too. What, unplugged? I get so lonely, I could die. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm pushing. <laughs> and I'm unplugged. <laughs> uh, the special was a massive ratings hit in November 1968. 42% of the television audience was watching it. I thought you were going to say 42% of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and it spawned a successful soundtrack album, sparked Elvis's later career comeback. Yeah. He returned to Memphis for the first time in years to record his 10th studio album. And one of the singles from that was In the Ghetto, mm. a social message song about the vicious cycle of poverty and violence. So this is... Quite a ways from Teddy Bear. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think he, he had two new producers he was working with that were like kind of trying to put his career back on track and make it more relevant. Yeah. Because it wasn't working anymore anyway, doing it the other way. Yeah, he was just doing bad crooner songs that were yeah. like good for Vegas and like for people that were half dead anyway. And yeah. Like, he was not he was not hip to anyone, but he still had with him 
that cool thing that he just wasn't tapping into anymore. And Colonel Parker was he didn't care. You know, he he wanted Elvis to be the most uncool person in the world as long as he was able to hang out in Vegas as much as he could. Yeah, Parker. That's what the movie portrays anyway. He just wanted to sell merchandise and yeah. keep the train rolling barely. There's a line in the movie where he's like, you went and took Hollywood's money. Good for you. Yeah. It's like, okay, but you're not going to be remembered in history for that. I know. I think people were... But Elvis came... Was coming up in a time that you really have to cultivate your stardom mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And the Beatles dealt with that too, you know, because yeah. they were getting too big. They couldn't even tour anymore. And they were just becoming some weird commodity that was just getting away from them. Same thing with Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And you just had to like, at some point snap and just rein it all back in. Yep. And another song from those sessions in Memphis was suspicious minds. One of his signature songs reached number three on the charts. Yeah. And he began touring again, setting attendance records. But not in Europe, though, right? He no, wanted, he, he never toured in Europe. Well, we know why. Well, the movie really just puts the uh, spotlight on Colonel Parker, which is the reason why they didn't go there, because of his legal troubles back there. Right. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, maybe it was for the best for Elvis. I don't know. Not well, really. Well, he, the, the movie makes it seem like that would have saved his life in his career if he went if he just did Europe tour. I don't know. Well he was huge in they Japan. They loved him in Europe. And Japan. And Japan. Worldwide. Too. It, he could have gone any of those places and he made a ton gone of money. Around the entire world. He was huge everywhere in the on the globe. I'm just thinking as his health deteriorated. Yeah. Maybe all that overseas the traveling, traveling is not great. Tough. But but rather than being stuck in Vegas in like, you know, it's Doing oh, he was going downhill. I anyway. go to Vegas two days. I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like yeah. you know, you stay there too long, you wind up mm-hmm. a disaster. Yeah. yeah, that's what happened to Elvis. I think. You know, the hits were drying up. He had a little resurgence there, but in the '70s, he only had three songs that charted, and one of them was "Burning Love." Wow. Yeah. So his money maker was touring. So yeah, you make a good point. If he had gone overseas. He probably could have made a lot more money. And it was easier to travel at that time. Like now, if you tour, like you're like breaking even sometimes. Oh, yeah. Then you could like stretch out on the airplane, smoke a cigarette. Oh, yeah. They had lounges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 1970, the documentary That's the Way It Is hit theaters. And this is where he debuted the white jumpsuit and cape. <laughs> yeah, which this became the, his. The beginning of the end Yeah, his here. stage yeah. outfit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Great documentary, by the way. There's a scene where he's going through, you know, talking to all the backup singers and the musicians, and he's really specific about what he wants each person to do during the song. Yeah. It just shows the genius as a performer. He didn't just phone it in. He's like, okay, I want you to come in a little later there, and then I want you to do the pow here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't very articulate in that, like, like, as far as the musicality of things, but he knew, like, the general sense of what he wanted from people. Yeah. After treating him for what's called saddle pain, which is what it sounds like. Where... It sounds like you, you were on a horse too long. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> in that groin area, yeah. you're having some issues. Like bow-legged or something. <laughs> a man named Dr. George Constantine Nicopolis came yeah. onto the scene. Sounds legitimate, doctor. Dr. Yeah. Nick. Yeah, Dr. Nick. <laughs> From the Simpsons, Dr. Affectionately Nick. Affectionately known as Dr. Nick. Yeah. 
Hi, everybody. <laughs> that was based on he him. Ins- that was, was inspired really? that yeah. character? No shit. Uh-huh. Wow. Among other things, but yeah, I've Clearly, the name Doctor Nick. Too. Yeah, but is there still. a documentary how that's very bad for like doctors <laughs> or something? And that he's a quack doctor. Yeah, yeah. you'll hear about Doctor Nick. Ooh. So this guy became Elvis's full time doctor after that. Ooh, I got another uh, uh, category for the shitties. Worst doctor, Doctor Nick, Doctor Do- Sebi, yeah, <laughs> Doctor Carson, whatever the uh, the, the Michael guy, Jackson, Doctor Conrad Murray, yeah, 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 Conrad Murray, yeah. Future episode, yes. Yeah. In 1973, Priscilla and Alvis divorce. Ooh, she's had enough now that she's an adult. She's too old. Imagine what she had to deal with for that to be enough. Like she, yeah, it must have real. been. It must have got really Ooh, bad, real cold. Yeah. Well, he they weren't doing it anyway. Yeah. So, and by the time that the smoke clears, she's probably like, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, super cold. He, he's shooting the TV. Colder than his brother. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Yikes! Kyle's just waiting for any foot on time the gas. He, he could pe- pepper that into the podcast. <laughs> I got shit for talking about that old lady <laughs> in the Johnny Lewis episode. Yeah, the problem is you got to just keep hitting. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you I should have tripled down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're uncancelable yeah, because exactly. you're so over the top. <laughs> yeah. That's like Trump. You just overdo just keep it. Going. Yeah. yeah, you trick people into thinking what you're saying is okay. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm offended that you're offended. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's gaslighting us and all the listeners. Like yeah. Elvis. <laughs> like Elvis. Yep. Yeah. You guys are my Priscilla's. Takes one to know one, right? <laughs> yeah. Gaslighter, that is. All right, 1973. Oh, I already said that. So that same year, 1973, his TV special, Aloha from Hawaii via satellite. This is when it's getting really bad. Yeah, is yeah. broadcast <laughs> to 40 countries and seen by about eh, a billion people worldwide. In the uh, movie, he said 1.5 billion Yeah, people. even more than that. So yeah. is that because it was like pay-per-view, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So people had to order it. Is that true? Wait, no way. You... I don't think so. Really? I you... think it was just broadcast everywhere. Oh. No, you had to have cable to start They didn't doing... have pay-per-view yeah, then. You, yeah. I don't know. They didn't have Howard yeah, Stern, they... <laughs> Rodden, New Year's Rodney yeah, they... <laughs> in 1973. Yeah, they got a Patreon or Napster. 73 like, pay-per-view. F- well, is that so out of the uh, yes. question? Yes. Pay-per-views were happening in the 80s. No, cable, you're right. No, it was... cable happened in the 80s. It's not too far. It was sold as a package with UFC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Conor McGregor fight in Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle's so out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> First pay-per-view ever, 1983. Not too far away. Okay. A okay. decade. <laughs> he so proudly just said, I'm wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that proved our point. No, yeah, you're saying it's so crazy. <laughs> no, it's Ten just... years is a long time. Because I was going to say, if it was pay-per-view and you get 1.5 billion downloads or pays... Oh, it's downloads. Like, yeah, you you, you just touch. you you finish. You don't have to go on tour ever again. Yeah. Like, you're done. He acts like 10 years is no time at all. <laughs> yeah, it that's isn't. the difference <laughs> between when he first met Priscilla and she was a fetus. 2013 was, was yesterday. Three yes. wars Good point. that the U.S. was involved in since that time. <laughs> all right, Kyle, you're, uh, you're right. I'll let yeah, you have yeah, that one. Let's just move on. <laughs> Same thing as pay-per-view. <laughs> Same thing. Except no one paid. <laughs> yeah. They just viewed. Yeah. Okay, so Al Elvis performed 168 concerts in 1973 alone. He started to complain of vertigo, back pain, insomnia, headaches, and eye infections. He overdosed on barbiturates twice, resulting in a three-day coma. 
He was hospitalized again in 1975, a month after he became lethargic and distraught after turning 40 on January 8th. Wow. Ooh. I guess 40 was a big deal back then. That's well, what Priscilla said. It's a big deal for his family because his mom died at like, what, 42 or something? His mom died not too far after. In mm. a lot of people in the, I'll go back to this, that a lot, they had a lot of heart problems and they didn't live long past 40 in that family, in the Presley family. And back then, 40 was like 80. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a little ridiculous, but <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Like people didn't live as long. Good to go back to the Flintstones, there's a line where Fred is like, my old man lived to the ripe old age of 35. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throughout the rest of the year, 1975, get this, Elvis refused to bathe mm. because oh. he felt something bad could happen if he slipped in the shower. Or he could drown in the bathtub. Why didn't he just get one of those things with the grips on yeah, the floor? Yeah, the grippy the floor. The yeah. grippy floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just got to turn on a pay-per-view. No, no. We'll... They do surgery to make him an amphibian. <laughs> <laughs> get him web, web feet. feet. <laughs> <laughs> also, you're a multi-millionaire. You could just get someone to put a bar in the shower. Just hold on to it. Like, yeah. There's many things you can do. You or could get a, hire get a someone. chair in the shower. That's really, really bad. Yeah. Where, do you a, where do you get a chair in the shower? You're bad. Drunk. I wash myself with a rag <laughs> on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> Bart Simpson? Yeah. 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 Fantasizing about being fat? <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I like when he fantasizes him being the worst version of his older self. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> You're right, though. Elvis could hire someone to give him a sponge bath, even. Exactly. There's yeah. lots of, well, he wasn't in his right. Well, he mindset. had the Memphis Mafia, those kind of crew of guys. Yeah, that we're surrounded getting to him. that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, but Haley. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring them in right now, <laughs> boys. Come on down. Them Memphis boys. Mafia, nickname given to his entourage. His uh, entourage, yes. yeah. yeah. His Ian Turtle and Johnny Drama were, mm -hmm. the, were the Memphis Mafia. Yeah. Uh, goes without saying that Elvis developed sores all over his body due okay. to that Good not God. bathing thing. TMI. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. He must have smelled really bad. Uh, he just wore that, that uh, one piece all over the place everywhere. <laughs> mm. <laughs> He's like, where'd I leave my jock strap? Yeah. <laughs> you hand that to me? <laughs> the assistant dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis was offered a role in the movie A Star is Born, which would have been opposite Barbara Streisand. He, the Chris Christopherson part? Yeah, that's what uh, Christopherson went on to play his part. Obviously, this never happened because the colonel was doing the negotiating and was outrageous yeah. with the demands. He's part like Simon Monjack, where he is like, I got to be there the entire time. <laughs> right. I got to be breathing over Elvis over every moment. And, yeah. Yeah. and when you think about it, how brilliant would Elvis have been in A Star Is Born? It seems like that's the role oh, for him, especially at that point in his life. The role, yeah. to go, you know, to, in knowing what happens later, yes. that if he could have gotten that in, that would have been his legacy as a movie star. Yeah. yeah. Was he an actor at that level, though, that could pull off a, that a role performance he like played. Christopherson did? Because he was close to that role. Close, yeah. Very close to that role. So yeah. that's why I think he could have gave a great performance as a washed up. I think he could have, yeah. Rock star. You yeah. think so? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think? Who, me? Dettos out there. He's yeah, no yeah, Bradley yeah. Cooper, but he's something. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bradley Cooper had to put on that weird voice. Elvis already had that you voice. You stole my voice. They yeah. all stole Elvis's <laughs> voice. All the people that talk like like Austin Butler and the 
vile pig he talks like yeah this. he can't stop talking <laughs> like that and i'd like to thank the hollywood foreign press and yeah i remember the the q a after like why do you talk yeah. like that now he's like <laughs> i would talk like what like weren't you on nickelodeon a few minutes ago just <laughs> he's like talk like what he's doing the yeah. Elvis dance. sounding like an american kid like, yeah or not american yeah he was on like, like the south is an american he was on, <laughs> you know what i mean he didn't yeah. have an accent but right. he was on disney multicam shows before this and he's like austin butler meaning yeah. yes yeah um, where were we? Elvis had plastic surgery on his eyes to remove the wrinkles. Mm. How's that? Yikes. Yeah. The crow's feet got to go. Yeah. Was he putting like cocaine in his eyes? Like, why is he? I is don't he... know. He had yeah. a bit of vanity still. Okay. Was he living like a king? I don't know. His spending was certainly out of control. Manager Tom Parker, the colonel, reportedly took 50% on every dollar Elvis earned. That's crazy. Although his dad Vernon was his financial advisor, nothing could stop Elvis from buying expensive things, including jewelry, classic luxury cars, yachts, a private jet named after his daughter, the Lisa Marie, yeah. it was called, pricey allowances for friends and family, and the Memphis Mafia. Mm. He gave out cars like they were candy, I guess. Like Oprah, you get a card, you get a card. <laughs> he was like MC Hammer, but like every day of his life. Yeah. <laughs> like even Except like, he actually had money. <laughs> he had money, I guess, yeah. And talent. And <laughs> wow. No, Ta I, Taking some hot shots at oh, MC Hammer on. here. Adam's family rap, love it. Come on, yeah. just joshing. <laughs> <laughs> they do what they want to do, say what they want to <laughs> say. Adam family, family. rap. Oh. <laughs> According to The Guardian, one morning he bought 32 Cadillacs, and by afternoon, all of them had been given away. Wow. He lives like uh, the movie Blank Check. <laughs> <laughs> like, like every second of his life. But that's a good feeling. But it's like, like Michael Jackson was the same way. I know we're going to talk about this at some point uh, on one of these podcasts, but like, the same thing was going on, tor like working way too much to pay someone to death. To, yeah. yeah, to to you know deal with your spending problems. And Doctor Conrad Murray and Doctor. Well, Doctor Conrad Murray was brought in in order to give this guy you know drugs that would kill him eventually. Well, wait till you hear about Doctor Nick. Okay, never. But mind. speaking of blank check, you know how. <laughs> In the movie, the kid buys all the latest cool gadgets. Yeah. Like he has like the virtual reality thing, the headset. Yeah. Well, Elvis was like that. He loved buying everything new and yeah. cool. Mm. For instance, he had one of the first VCRs on the market. Ooh. And he just always wanted the latest technology. So he would have really liked HD, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like if we come away from anything from this that Elvis would have loved HD. Yeah, as much as he likes young chicks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My ninth grader would love this this uh, <laughs> this uh, resolution on this TV right here. <laughs> you see the oozing on my swords. <laughs> you know what? Who he would have gotten along with? Uh, Bob Crane. 
Yeah, I think he would have. Carpy, maybe Carpy would have hooked him up with the latest equipment. But Elvis thing, and then smashed his, him over the head with it. Elvis's thing was oh more God. drugs. But Elvis would have survived somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's immortal until he just they wake dies up, on a toilet. They wake up the next morning after they thought they killed him. Hey, what are we doing today, yeah, guys? Exactly. Wait a second. <laughs> I thought we killed you, Elvis. He's got the tripod <laughs> in his head. <laughs> hey, let's hit the tables after we get some pancakes. All right. <laughs> So with all the spending, that also included hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of prescription drugs. Mm. And they were legal, so he didn't feel like he was a junkie. Everything's legal if you have enough money. Yeah. In late 1976, Elvis began dating 20-year-old former beauty queen Ginger Alden after a bad breakup with former girlfriend Linda Thompson. So he's got a new young chick with him. I love how she's 20 and she's a former beauty queen. I know, yeah. She aged out of it. Yeah. So. Well, 14 was a long time ago. She's on the way down. <laughs> she's middle-aged. At 20. Yeah. <laughs> the Memphis Mafia didn't trust her. Oh, God. Like, we'd hate to see that. Yeah. The Memphis Mafia. They like thought it. she might be after his money. By this time, Elvis was a shell of his former self paranoid, severely overweight, and addicted to daily pharmaceuticals. A recording session at Graceland in November 1976 didn't work out, so they decided to book another session at Buzz Kaysen's Creative Workshop in Nashville in January 1977. So like, it didn't work out here in Memphis. It might help to change the scenery and go to Nashville. Well, Elvis wasn't feeling well, and he couldn't make the new date, so all the session musicians were sent home. What was really happening behind the scenes was he and Ginger were fighting, and she didn't want to go with him to Nashville, so he made up a story that he had a sore throat. Oh, God. I mean, this is childish stuff. Yeah. Well, he, he seems like he never... Uh, I'm just talking about Ginger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he never grew up past the age of when he started becoming famous. I heard that's a big thing with famous mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. You never really mature past the age you start getting famous. That's Freezes why child you in time. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not, like Bieber is actually okay these days, I feel like. But yeah. but a lot of child stars are really like He is married to a Baldwin though. Yeah. Alec, <laughs> Alec Baldwin's Alec niece. Baldwin. <laughs> Follow my wife on Instagram. I did yes. not pull the trigger. I'd like to leave the Splendor Packet to Ireland, my daughter. That pig. <laughs> that pig. <laughs> You're a pig. Uh, but what, what what was I trying to say, though? I think you were saying that he's still a kid. Yeah, the maturity phase yeah, is in I time. think that's what happened. You kind of have arrested development, and you just are never not that kind of age. And let's face it, a bunch of yes people agreeing to every crazy idea and demand. Well, it's yeah. funny that the Memphis Mafia are scared of this ginger taking all his money. Meanwhile, Tom Parker is literally taking all of his money. I know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're he doing was... nothing about it. He wasn't as much in the picture at this point besides just collecting checks and making sure that Elvis kept touring. Yeah. That yeah, was he, the Colonel's was, big thing. He was also around before the Memphis Mafia, too. So it's like, yeah, exactly. It predated, you, you're less worried sort about Sort of him. discovered him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, that's how it works with some of these like famous people. Like whoever's there first, you know, yeah. you, mm -hmm. you have the golden goose ticket here. Yeah. But in other scenarios, they send that person on their way. Yeah, too. exactly. The, like, the new ya. person's like, I can, it's like Wayne's World, too. When 
Christopher Walken's like, hey, come with us. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Wh- these losers. Whoever's the bitter, bigger, better deal for yeah. you, mm-hmm. you know, you can be wooed away from other people that are more important to you sometimes. Yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. say the Memphis Mafia were more important than anything. No. Or Colonel Parker, they're all scumbags. And if someone <laughs> gives you a Cadillac, are you really going to criticize his lifestyle? Right. Yeah. So those in the inner circle of the Memphis Mafia believed that Elvis was more in love with Ginger than she was with him. But she did seem to lift him up, even helping him perform a pretty good New Year's Eve show in Pittsburgh. Okay. So (laughs) New Year's in Pittsburgh. Wow, this is the most important show of my life right now. This New Year's in Pittsburgh. (laughs) If I can't go to Japan, I'm going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Elvis proposed to Ginger on January 26, 1977. He was very much into astrology, like left eye, and he explained that two plus six added up to eight, and eight was his number. This is like bad gambler logic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just nonsense. There was a mini 10-day tour in February 1977, and Ginger joined him there. In March 1977... He planned a Hawaiian getaway with her, but it soon turned into a party of 30 people. Also like Left Eye, yeah. when she went to uh, uh, like Honduras. Honduras, Honduras yeah. yeah with well, that, that's Sebi. like bipolar people. They just like, you know, when they're on their, their the high end of the spectrum, yeah. they're, they're going crazy, bringing all these people around them. Yeah. How you doing? Keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But they left after 10 days because Elvis got sand in his eye and Dr. Nick thought that his cornea might be scratched. So they returned to Graceland. Hey, man, I ain't wearing no glasses. Okay, Dr. Nick? (laughs) After briefly cleaning up his act, Elvis's health quickly deteriorated. He had glaucoma, hypertension. After concerts, his blood pressure would shoot up to 200. He had a twisted colon, high blood sugar. He would get bruises on his legs. Larry Geller, his hairstylist, and David Stanley, one of his stepbrothers, noticed that on one occasion, Elvis had fallen asleep in the middle of a meal. And they put him to bed and he had no memory of any of that the next day. What, it sounds he, like heart disease and diabetes is just ravaging him, but he's not getting an actual diagnosis on anything. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he has all these yes men. They're like, what, yeah. do, you, what do you want it to be, Elvis? Here's some pills. <laughs> his cousin, Billy Smith, was one of his closest confidants. And so was Billy's wife, Joe. She would put him to bed because Elvis liked the whole send off at bedtime. She would read him a story, tuck him in, and say good night. Like he is a little treating him like a baby. Yeah, he's like a baby. Yeah, wow. Treating him like Priscilla. Yeah, back in the day. Oh my god. Another night, Elvis was wandering around and was led into his cousin Billy Smith's room. Elvis proceeded to climb into bed with him and his wife Joe. He told them about a dream where he saw the face of God as a white light. And in the middle of talking, about an hour later, he suddenly zonked out and fell asleep. Jesus. They're and like, so, what, what do we do with this big maniac yeah, in our bed? Yeah, imagine this big sweaty guy covered in sores <laughs> yeah. just talking himself he's to sleep wearing, in your bed with your a, wife. He's a leather one piece. So, yeah. <laughs> You'll never believe the dream I had. It's <laughs> fucked up. He's got a cape on in bed still. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Elvis, what was the dream? Yeah. You're sitting in your Cadillac while he's telling Well, he's you. got this, like, <laughs> he's got a group of 30 people that follow him around yeah. everywhere. Jeez. And again, we've been through this with River Phoenix and hosts of others. It's a lot of people on the payroll. Yep. Yeah. 
And that can be very stressful. Unhealthy. Unhealthy. For everyone. Another time he called his friend Jerry Schilling saying he needed help because he was on the floor and he couldn't get up. (laughs) A concert review of his show in Alexandria, Louisiana, the person wrote, he was on stage less than an hour. Impossible to understand. End quote. Other dates, he forgot lyrics, and he would start and stop songs. One time, he changed the lyrics accidentally to, Wise men know when it's time to go. Oof. Cryptic. ad-libbing? At that point, you just Millie Vanilli it and just hit the CD and let him run around. Yeah. <laughs> Unplug his mic, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Do like the Ashley Simpson yeah. thing. Yeah. On a Monday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A show in Baton Rouge was canceled because Elvis was in bad condition, completely worn out. Larry Geller, his hairdresser, remember, recalls that during a concert stop in Kentucky, Elvis was in very bad shape. Dr. Nick was tending to him in the hotel room, and he was almost comatose. He was holding Elvis's head and ducking it into ice water. Jesus. Then the colonel burst into the room and told Larry... The only thing that's important is that man is on stage tonight. Nothing else matters. <laughs> he just burst in and say stupid incendiary things. Like, yeah, he didn't do anything it's, really. That's a direct quote from the movie too that they used. Yeah, yeah, when he was not doing well. Mace, but just to keep pushing him into working. And yeah, because yeah. exactly. that's how the money was coming in, and yeah. Colonel was getting fifty percent of it. And no yep. one was stopping it. And by the way, he was a reckless spender too—a degenerate gambler. Of course, in Vegas, yeah, he was losing millions. <laughs> okay, yeah. in one night. Yeah. Well, th- at they, the craps table, they he would say do that. in that movie slots. that that's yeah. how he signed a big contract, and that's how he got like made. He got a lot of his debt canceled by the Vegas, uh, like the Venetian or one of those. Yeah, yeah. On May 6, 1977, three days after the end of that leg of the tour, he shot out a bedroom window and had to be sedated. What do you you mean by shot out? Shot it with a gun. Oh, okay. As we kind of alluded to earlier, he was a gun enthusiast. He even presented President Nixon with a World War II-era Colt 45 when they met in 1970. I remember that picture. He had like a badge with him. Yeah. Like he was deputized by Nixon to be like a drug czar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I gotta pee. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, You're mixing Forrest Gump with uh, Elvis. Yes. Painting. Yeah. <laughs> and we forgot to mention that Forrest Gump is the one who taught Elvis to wiggle. Yeah. Exactly. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, some people say is a a great movie, a great movie. Some people say it's cancelable and, uh, you know, not to be watched. But sorry to ruin your Black Panther party. (laughs) Well, Alex Salkin (laughs) thinks that that and Clear and Present Danger are the greatest greatest movies ever made. Ever made. Yeah. Yeah. No comment. Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even Patriot Games, I think, is a little better (laughs) than the sequel. That's my godfather. (laughs) Elvis was known for shooting TV sets. He had hundreds of them. One of the stories is that this is my favorite thing. I brought it up already three times. Robert Goulet was performing Goulet on TV. Robert Goulet. Elvis picked up the gun and shot the TV. And in an interview, Goulet later said, "The story is about me." But he really did that to everyone. Sinatra. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He he shot a lot of TVs. Was he it jealous? Was nothing per- was he jealous no. of Robert Goulet? It was nothing personal. He just wanted to change the channel. 
Yeah. He was that crazy. I love that, though. And they would replace <laughs> the TV. Yeah. So no hard feelings. Yeah. Next leg of the tour started in Knoxville on May 20th. Everyone's goal was just to get Elvis up on stage and get him to perform for the hour that he was slated for. So that was the big push for every show is it's a group effort of like 30 people, the hairdressers, the producers, yep. every, you know, everyone involved just to get Elvis on stage and to get the show over with. Keep him just awake enough yep. that he can perform for an hour. Kind Imagine of like little going, peep too. Yeah. Going to see someone this big, though, and only seeing one hour. It's like if you're seeing like a legend, they better be on stage for three hours or I'm going to be pissed. Are you serious? Or are yes. you happy with one hour? No. At, no, at least an what hour. If it's, what if it's a solid one hour? I saw uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They did like just over an hour at SoFi Stadium. I was furious. <laughs> oh, my furious. God. When I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers in Madison in 2003, I fell asleep during the encore. Yeah, <laughs> I saw them at the Tweeter Center at both. After I I could have saw them at Woodstock '99, but I left. Yeah, <laughs> but they they did they did less than an hour there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they ran for their lives. I yeah. <laughs> By the way, I was really stoned at that show. There you go. Not at Woodstock, Madison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After Ginger left the tour to be with her family, Elvis was accompanied by his backup singer, on again, off again girlfriend Kathy Westmoreland. He complained to her about all sorts of things, including his place in history. Quote, they're not going to remember me. I've never done anything lasting. I've never done a classic film. But then he would perk up and say that his mission in life was to make people happy with music. And I'll never stop until the day I die. Well, that's Dr. Nick doing that. (laughs) (laughs) In Baltimore, he took an extended hiatus from the stage to pee later telling the audience, you don't fool around with nature. (laughs) Despite the failing health... (laughs) I gotta take a squeeze, (laughs) y'all. The colonel made a deal for a CBS concert special. Was he up for it? That's what everyone was asking. Adding to his woes further, Elvis became preoccupied with an upcoming tell-all book by his former bodyguards, Sonny West and his cousin, Red. The book is called Elvis, What Happened? And it was being released that summer. Harsh. Parts of it were already released in serial form in the UK. So Elvis was like thinking everyone's talking. These are not Memphis Mafia or they're former? They former. Former Memphis Vernon had fired them in 1976 as a cost-cutting measure. Who gets fired in this operation? (laughs) And Sonny and Red West claimed that they wrote the book to get Elvis help. Yeah. Even though they were spilling salacious That's details, what everyone they says. really were just worried about him. Sure. They yeah. also got a good payday, but you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They got a new Very RV. Alt- they got a new RV in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Altruistic. <laughs> yeah. Elvis still enjoyed helping his friends out when he could. He had this friend, George Klein, who was indicted for fixing a radio ratings poll. So Elvis spoke to President Jimmy Carter for about 10 minutes on the phone. But Carter believed that Elvis was stoned and didn't really know what he was getting at. Imagine that conversation. Besides that, he was pretty sure Elvis wanted him to pardon his friend who hadn't even been convicted of anything yet. This sounds like a Trump conversation. (laughs) It'd be really good if you, you know, we let this thing go. Yeah. Yeah. So when Elvis called Jimmy Carter back the next day, it was not answered. Oh, on June 15th, Elvis embarked on what was the fifth tour of the year. He appeared pale, swollen, exhausted. 
No one believed that he would be able to film the Colonel's television special the next day. The performance in Omaha was recorded, and it confirmed everyone's worst fears. His voice was filled with uncertainty, and he was unable to properly articulate or project. E-Bomb's World used to have a clip of him on stage where he was forgetting the lyrics and mumbling to the audience. Yeah. Sad. However, two nights later in Rapid City, Iowa, he rallied. Somehow Elvis appeared healthier, like he had lost a little weight, and he sounded a lot better. At the end of the show, Elvis sat down at the piano with guitarist Charlie Hodge holding a mic up to his face, and he belted out a searing rendition of Unchained Melody. And if you want to hear a little of that. Let's hear it. And this is the big set piece in the movie. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very God speak. Hello, let's go. Yeah, he sounds good. Sounds great. Listen to this. And the feeling, you know? Yeah. So that was a surprise to everyone. Like he's giving it his all here, even though he looks horrible. And he (laughs) smiles at the end. Yeah. Incredulous that he was able to pull off that performance. Yeah. Yeah. He's elated. (laughs) I got a good little anecdote here. In Madison, Wisconsin, on June 24th, Elvis was being driven from the airport to the hotel when he spotted two young men ganging up on a gas station attendant, and it was late at night. He jumped out of the limo and struck a karate pose, offering to take on the two bullies. The young guys were stunned. They couldn't believe that Elvis was in front of them. In a karate pose. And of course, tempers cooled. Elvis shook their hands and posed for pictures. Yeah. And there's a stone marker in Madison commemorating this event. Wow. Was he like, hey, you guys got any sisters? (laughs) (laughs) His final concert took place in Indianapolis on June 26, 1977. He brought a bunch of his friends and relatives with him. And (laughs) he did an 80-minute set. So it's a little longer than an hour there, Kyle. There we go. Still wouldn't be happy. Extra 20 for you. And he brought his father out on stage. And he almost didn't want to leave the stage. Like he felt like this is is it. Yeah. Okay. Now we come to his last days. Oh, no. It was a hot Memphis summer. Despite showering Ginger and her family with gifts. And not showering himself. Including jewelry, a sports car, and offering to pay their mortgage, she refused to move into Graceland full-time. Elvis and his entourage, the Memphis Mafia, were isolated from the outside world, not reading the papers or watching the news. Charlie Hodge, Billy and Joe Smith, and Dr. Nick were now his closest confidants. He liked the work of others, like his security team, Sam Thompson and Dick Grab and his personal aide, Al Strada, but he was not particularly close to any of them. Elvis also didn't trust his stepbrothers, Ricky and David Stanley, who were the ones running a lot of the day-to-day business. So this is a crazy situation. You trust no one. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's got just a couple of people that he talks to for real. Yeah. Very reclusive. Sometimes he would look at the security cameras of visiting friends and send word down that he was not feeling well enough to see them. 
he retreated to his room, falling into his books. He loved to read. And then, of course, all his medications. He became paranoid like Howard Hughes. But he was uh, also not showering, which is interesting. Did Howard Hughes shower, I wonder? Well, he was like a disgusting mess at the end. Yeah. Right? yeah. He was peeing in bottles. Yeah, and, well, the way and Le- drinking, Leonardo DiCaprio like and Scorsese fish. depicted it, yeah, he was drinking and, uh, you know, just naked, you know, not showered. And he dreaded going to sleep. Elvis had this recurring nightmare where all his money and fans had vanished and he was all alone. Red and Sonny's book was released in July 1977 and it consumed him. He even came up with defensive retorts if audience members would heckle him. Because <laughs> he was paranoid that they were reading all this bad stuff in the book. Yeah. yeah. He was like, you know what I'm going to say if they say this? It's like a roast battle or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he even fantasized about having the men killed. Oh, boy. Sinatra style. Oof. Lisa Marie arrived for a two-week visit on July 31st. Lisa Marie, you remember, right? Yeah, the of plane. Of course, yeah. Only child. <laughs> yeah, the plane. Born nine, the plane, the plane. nine months to the day of their marriage. Yeah, yeah rest in peace. And Lisa Marie was going to stay until the tour resumed on August 16th. That was when it was scheduled to resume. Mm. And it would be starting in Portland, Maine, and would end in Memphis 12 days later. Ginger got her brother, Mike, to bring his daughter Amber around to Graceland so that the little two girls could hang out together. They were around the same age. Some mornings, Lisa Marie would wake up early and take her golf cart and run it up and down the driveway. Elvis even bought her a pony, and one day he led it into the mansion for a photo op, and it made a mess on the floor. Must have been a wild house, that, that Graceland. Yeah. <laughs> anything, anything goes. Sounds like Billy Madison <laughs> yeah. or Pee-wee. Yeah. yeah. You um, can just run like uh, RVs, like oh, no, ATVs in the house there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on August 7th, they rented out Liberty Land Theme Park after hours and stayed till dawn. Vernon hinted that he might join Alvis on the upcoming tour, and that made his son quite happy. When Alvis wanted to go out for a motorcycle ride, he tried out a new jumpsuit, but it didn't fit. He told his cousin, Billy, I'm just too damned fat. Yeah, mm-hmm. no shit. He would eat bacon, <laughs> tomatoes, mashed potatoes, and gravy, and sauerkraut. I'm actually and surprised. And he would mix it all together. That sounds good. I'm surprised the tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like someone mixed a vegetable in there. Like it's the like, tomatoes, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's not like the other? Yeah, exactly. And he would also chow down on gobs of cheeseburgers. Oh, yum, yum. <laughs> Dr. Nick then put Elvis on a liquid protein diet in the days before they were scheduled to leave. And Elvis began an intermittent exercise program that included playing racquetball and riding the stationary bike for a few minutes every day. That's so random to play racquetball. (laughs) Yeah, well, he had a racquetball court there at Graceland. Oh, really? Why would he build a racquetball court? It just doesn't seem congruent to (laughs) being in Memphis. Why would he shoot TVs out? (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Cousin Billy and his wife Joe noticed that his mood had improved. On August 14th, 1977, the 19th anniversary of his mom's death, Uh Elvis had flowers delivered to her grave. 
of course, that's something he did about once a week since she died. Anyway. He loved his mom. Yeah. Real mama's boy. Yep. Mm. Now we come to what I call last day. Elvis woke up around 4 p.m. on August 15th, 1977. He sent for cousin Billy around 7 p.m. Elvis wanted to see the new movie about General MacArthur starring Gregory Peck. So he gave Ricky, the day-to-day guy, not Patton, the, the job of trying to set up a screening, but was disappointed when the theater couldn't come up with an available print. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he had also heard that the movie wasn't as good as Patton, so he didn't care that much. Yeah, Patton <laughs> was uh, amazing. Then Elvis and Billy watched TV for a while. Ginger joined them for his 10.30 p.m. dentist appointment with Dr. Hoffman. Elvis was kind of annoyed because he wasn't sure if Ginger would be flying out with him or not the following night. Billy helped Elvis get into his black DEA sweatsuit and leather boots, which could not be zipped up because his ankles were so swollen. Dr. Nick stopped by for a few minutes to check on how he was doing and stuck a pair of 45s into the waistband of his sweatpants. Elvis always carried. Wait, what? Yeah, no joke. And Dr. Nick is putting guns yep. in his waistband? Doctor's orders. Wait, Dr. Doc- Nick. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Nick is not your regular doctor. He's not your... He's weird. Dr. Nick also borrowed hundreds of thousands of dollars from Elvis to pay off his house. Oh, really? Yeah. So Dr. Nick was just some guy around the neighborhood, basically, who was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> who needed money. Yeah. And could give doctor. him lots of pills. Yeah. yeah. Doctor. Dr. Feelgood. Doctor slash armorer. Yeah. He's like a, <laughs> he runs a pill mill. They could have used him on the rust set. That's right. Yeah. Make sure the bullets are in there though, for Elvis. <laughs> 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 just in case uh, some bad singer comes on the TV. Yep. So- At his office, Dr. Lester Hoffman cleaned Elvis' teeth and filled two small cavities. Then he cleaned Ginger's teeth as well after encouragement from Elvis. He was in good spirits after the procedure, and Dr. Hoffman left him with some codeine tablets in case one of his teeth began bothering him. Of course. Around 12.30 a.m., they arrived back at Graceland. Elvis went upstairs without seeing anybody. He called down the road manager, Joe Esposito, about some last-minute tour details and conferred with bodyguard Sam Thompson about taking Lisa back to California on a late-afternoon commercial flight. Sam went home to get some sleep, and Joe returned to his room at Howard Johnson's, where hairstylist Larry Geller was also staying in anticipation of their departure for the tour later that day. Larry was awakened by a call to bring over some of the new books that he had purchased so that Alvis could get a look at them right away. Again, acting like a kid. He wanted to see all these new books that had been bought for him. On top of the pile was a book called Scientific Search for the Face of Jesus (laughs) about the Shroud of Turin. Oh, nice. Alvis and Ginger were arguing as they usually did at the start of a tour. She said she would join him in no time, but couldn't fly out later that day because she had cramps. She probably wanted nothing to do with this disgusting mess of Elvis. Like, like, imagine a young girl like that. Like, they had nothing in common. What am I doing here? I don't even like this guy. He's a mess. He can't even like stand up. No. What? How is this benefiting me? In any way. Well, you know, maybe money later on. Possibly. And he was giving her a lot of gifts then. Yeah. 
But still, I'm not sure that was her motive. I, I think she was just confused. But was she was she like a well known actress? Like no, no, not like, at she all. She was like kind of a middling actress. Yeah, and, like, she thought maybe this would help her career. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Elvis calmed down, and they even started talking about marriage again. What? Possibly making an announcement at the end of the tour. Well, the mafia was like, you know, she wants the money. Maybe she does not want a prenup and she wants the possibility. She knows he's on the way out, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that this could could be be. a payday. Yeah. Yeah. Around 2.15 a.m., Elvis called Dr. Nick to let him know that one of his teeth was bothering him and he needed some dilated. 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 That's some harsh shit. Yeah. That's like the fentanyl of its day. Is yeah. that for cancer patients? I know people still take that stuff. I think Jason Robards takes that in uh, the movie Magnolia, the Paul Thomas Anderson oh, movie. Oh, yeah, that's for like you're dying, yeah, and you're in hospice, and, and you just need to. That's some harsh shit. The pain to go, or away. you're just yeah. from the greater Boston area, yeah, <laughs> and you just need some dilated. I, I need something to get me to Tuesday. Oh, who's got the dilated? <laughs> yeah, my cousin's gonna give me another prescription on Tuesday. Just to, you know, hang me over. <laughs> So Dr. Nick prescribed six tablets and Elvis had Ricky Stanley pick up the prescription at the Baptist Memorial's all night pharmacy. Well, I have Ricky grabbed a dilated. <laughs> Around 4 a.m., Elvis called Billy and Joe Smith to see if they wanted to play a little racquetball. Even though their sleep was interrupted, they said, sure. Oh, imagine just like, having like some godlike character just just call you at all hours of night like this. Yeah. That, that would be I couldn't live like that. They threw on some clothes and walked over from the guest house. It had been raining on and off all evening and it started up again as the four of them walked out to the racquetball building which besides a court housed exercise equipment a pinball machine and a piano. After Billy complained about the rain, Elvis said I'll take care of it. And he held his hands up in the air, and the rain stopped. <laughs> okay. See, I told you, he Speaking declared. Of godlike character. Yeah. <laughs> Ginger and Joe were playing for a little while before the guys finally took over. But Elvis quickly tired himself out, and soon the game degenerated into silly dodgeball, with Elvis trying to hit Billy with every shot. He accidentally hit himself on the shin with his own racket and quit. Elvis lifted up his pant leg to reveal a welt, and Billy joked that if it ain't bleeding, it ain't hurting. And they all laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much to get these guys going. Really. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what sense of humor they have, but it's weird. And then Elvis <laughs> threw his racket at him. Afterwards, Elvis sat at the piano in the lounge area and fooled around with a few numbers, ending with Willie Nelson's blue eyes crying in the rain. He, fell, he fooled around with a few numbers. They were mostly 13 and 14. Though. Hey-o. Hey! Hey! Hello! Hello. <laughs> Is this thing on? Yeah. Below 18. <laughs> Back to the mansion, Billy helped Elvis wash and dry his hair while Elvis was eyeing the new books that Larry had brought over for him. He declared that this was going to be the best tour yet and repeated it like a mantra. Billy left at the same time Ricky Stanley arrived with the first of three packets of prescription drugs dubbed attack packs. So this is not even like the stuff that Dr. Nick was giving before for the teeth. That's not even the tip of the iceberg. There's there's like way more to come. So he was just like (laughs) fucked up 24-7. 
Kyle, do you want to take this list here? Oof. They consisted of Secanal, Placidil, Valmid, Tuanol, Demerol, and some other depressants and placebos, which usually helped him get several hours of sleep at a time. Yeah, that's not real sleep though. That's not like REM sleep. That's just like no. you're passed out. Yeah, that is <laughs> you're just barely above death. You're knocked out. Yeah, it's yeah. Michael Jackson sleep. It <laughs> is. It's not real sleep. Elvis remained awake a couple hours later when Ricky brought him his second attack pack. But when he called down for the third, Ricky had disappeared, even though he was supposed to be on duty until noon. His private nurse, Tish Henley, had already gone to work. So Elvis had his aunt, Delta, call her at Dr. Nick's office and made arrangements for the third package to be delivered, which was two Valmids and a Placidel placebo. Jesus. When his aunt Delta arrived with the medication, Elvis informed her that he was planning to get up around 7 p.m. A little while later, he told Ginger that he was going into the bathroom to read. Ginger woke up around 1.30 p.m. and proceeded to call her mom, who asked her how Elvis was doing. Ginger told her that she didn't know because he had not returned to bed and that she better go and check on him. Ginger washed up and put on some makeup in her own separate bathroom. As you do, right, when you're worried about someone. <laughs> yeah, put your makeup on first. <laughs> then she knocked on Elvis's bathroom door. After there was no answer, she pushed on it and found him lying on the floor, his gold pajama bottoms down around his ankles, his face buried in a pool of vomit on the thick shag carpet. Ooh. Ass in the air. Okay. <laughs> Face down, ass up. <laughs> Panicked, Ginger called downstairs and asked to speak to someone on duty, and the maid put Al Strada on the line. She told him there was something wrong, and he better come upstairs. Al was bending over Alvis when Joe Esposito burst in. These are all Memphis Mafia guys. Okay. They managed to turn the body over, and Joe tried to administer CPR. Within These guys a, don't know real CPR. No. <laughs> and he's pretty much dead. Yeah. yeah. Within a short period of time, the bedroom filled with people, including Dad Vernon, who cried out, Oh, God, son, please don't die. Despite Joe's best efforts to resuscitate him, it became clear to everybody that Elvis was gone. His face was swollen and purple, his discolored tongue sticking out of his mouth, and his eyeballs blood red. It's like when an animal dies or something. It's very sad. Lisa Marie arrived on the scene and asked, What's wrong with my daddy? As Ginger closed the bathroom door. Lisa tried to run inside, but it was locked. Man, The room was filled with wails and screams. Two firemen EMTs arrived with an ambulance. They got to the hospital around 2.55 p.m., 22 minutes after the initial call. At 3.30 p.m., Elvis was pronounced dead. Dr. Nick walked into the waiting room and told everybody, it's all over. He's (laughs) gone. And it's my fault. (laughs) Yeah, jeez. Dr. Nick has declared Elvis has left the building. What will become of his estate and family lineage? Tune in next week when we continue with the story of Elvis. Thank you. Thank you very much. 